and welcome back to A Dancer's Mindset with myself, Isabella. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're going to be speaking with Skylar Brandt. Now, Skylar is a principal of American Ballet Theatre and we've probably all watched her on social media do her amazing turns, her amazing tricks, but all that comes from sheer, sheer hard work. She's someone with an amazing work ethic who is extremely determined and seeing her now as a principal dancer of ABT is something that is massively deserved. Let's meet Skylar. So hello and thank you so much Skylar for joining me today on the podcast. It's a real honour and I know so many people at home and students especially are just going to you know, fall over and faint because I'm here with you today because I know you've got so many fans and um, me included and uh, thank you again so much for speaking with me today. Thank you for having me. Um, so how I usually start is I like to start way back to early life. Um, tell us how you started ballet, um, how you found your love for ballet and about, you know, the first teachers that you came across and, you know, what inspired you? So I, um, I'm from New York, so I grew up watching uh, American Ballet Theatre performances. Um, I was lucky enough to have attended all kinds of, uh, you know, experienced so much culture. My parents always took me and my sisters to go see the Philharmonic or shows on Broadway. And ballet was one of the things that that we did as an activity as a family. So um, I just remember that, you know, as a little girl, I was playing dress up in uh, the privacy of my own home and creating stories with my imagination. Um, mm -hmm. This was all, of course, pre kind of like pre technology, pre computers and iPhones and things. So as a child, I was left to my own devices to to entertain myself. And um, and so therefore, I would again, like make up stories, play house, whatever you want to call it. And um, when I went to the ballet, I saw a lot of what I thought I was doing at home um, on stage, basically dressing up in costumes, um, dancing around to music and uh, making up stories. So it was really I think the storytelling um, aspect of going to watch uh, American Ballet Theater that made me truly want to pursue it as a profession. Um, I was eight years old when I decided that I wanted to become a ballerina. Um, I think at first when I started ballet, I was a bit restless. Um, I wasn't totally into standing at the bar and learning the you know the positions of the feed and doing slow demi plies <laughs> but, yeah, well i guess i guess when when you've sort of imagined what and seen the performances and the costumes and you're like what i need to stand still and go super <laughs> slow like this isn't fun <laughs> totally exactly but then things switched when i started um when i kind of moved out of that like creative movement um approach to dance into like proper ballet technique um with teachers that i actually treated me like uh, like an adult. Um, that's what really hooked me because the minute that I felt that element of like mutual respect and also striving for this perfection, like I always thrived on challenges. And so that really um, that really made me want to go go further with it. 
Um, so I started out as small, at a small ballet studio called Scarsdale Ballet. My teachers were Diana White, who um, is still there actually running her dance studio, but she was a soloist with New York City Ballet and danced in the time of Balanchine. So it was really amazing to amazing. You know, gain gain knowledge from her. Um, Christian Klassens, and also uh, I was taking lessons with Valentina Kozlova. And, um, you know, it was it was amazing to be exposed to a few different styles of, of ballet training. Um, yeah. And I found it really interesting. So that's kind of how I began. And then I just kept going with it because I found it to be fun and challenging. <laughs> yeah, that's really um, interesting because I already resonate with you quite a lot because when I was younger, similarly, I was taking um, sort of Saturday classes, nothing too serious. Um, and then I was introduced to a Russian coach and I was suddenly like <laughs> sort of exposed to, wow, like sort of what real hard work is like. And like, she was like slapping my feet. I was sweating. I was like really trying to pursue like this perfect tondu, which I had no idea had to, be worked so much harder than I was doing and I as well sort of fell in love with the hard work and the challenge I think that's actually initially it was similar to you I fell in love with um, music mostly actually but then because my dad as well exposed my parents exposed me a lot to culture but then I fell in love with the hard work and I want to get into talking with you about your coaches because obviously you mentioned um, Valentina Kozlova and you also worked with uh, Susan, Susan Jaffe and Fabrice Heraltz, is that right? Yep. Yeah. As part of your earlier training. And I want to ask, you know, how you found them all. And also, did you work with them all at the same time? Or was there a period when you sort of realized a sort of certain style that you were most fond of? Yeah. So um, I worked with them at different times. What I will say is I had private training pretty consistently throughout my um, my school years and, and of course, even now. Um, so yeah. I was very lucky in that regard that I could always um, do something extra. And I knew that that was, I knew that was a privilege. I knew that was a luxury. And so therefore, I think that's why I kind of, um, it was instilled in me to, you know, not waste those opportunities and not, not squander that time um, that was very, very special. I trained for, with Valentina privately for several years. And then I thought, okay, you know, I have a um, more or less a solid sort of Ganova style of training, but there were certain things that I felt, I think because I was capable, Valentina pushed me, you know, past maybe what other kids were doing my age, but I wanted to kind of refine um, yeah. some small points and, and, and continue to build on like my base. So, um, you know, I started training at the ABT school, Jack and Kennedy Onassis school, and then I was still taking private lessons. I trained with Fabrice Harol for, um, for several years. He was, you know, Paris opera, again, completely different, like much more focused perhaps on footwork and that kind of cleanliness. Um, and then when I was maybe 15, 16, I tried a few lessons with Susan Jaffe because why not? And honestly, I, I've taken with so many more teachers than I can even name. Um, I think it was really lucky being in New York City where I had access to everyone. I mean, it, or there was David 
Howard, there was Willie Berman, there was Ava Edvokimova, there was Gelsey Kirkland. Um, there, there were a number of people that even if I took their left, their class only one time, it was yeah. just, it was just to learn something. Cause I think you can learn something from everyone, even if it's what, what I don't want to do and what I don't want. So, um, I was pretty open and I think courageous in that way. Um, again, I was, I, I, I think I was born kind of an old soul. So relative to what you said about your own experiences, um, I really, I didn't like to be patronized. And I think because I, I'm, I'm tiny. So, and I, maybe when I was eight, I looked like I was, you know, five or when I was 12, I looked like I was eight. So it was, you know, it made sense. People wanted to speak to me as if I was a child, but to, I, I took my work so seriously. So I didn't, I didn't, that didn't fly with me very well. So <laughs> I quite yeah. like the toughness of, of the ballet and, and, and that's mm -hmm. why I, you know, tried to, to get as much feedback as possible, I would say. Yeah. It's interesting because you've tried so many different styles, but I think, um, that only really works when there's a solid foundation. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously there's like many schools around, um, I feel like, well, the best schools work because they work in a particular style and there's this foundation that they progress on. And then these dancers, obviously, when they're in companies, go off and do many different styles, but the foundation's always there. I think I even, I spoke with Paulina Semyonova a few weeks ago and even she said like, her foundation is like always solid with her Russian technique. And obviously you've tried so many different things, but what would you say your foundation is like your very core of style? Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's an interesting question. I, and, and it's, and it's interesting because I knew from a young age that I had to, if I was going to join a company such as American Ballet Theater, which was my dream, you know, they, they did their classics during the spring summer, but then there was a fall season and they were doing contemporary work. So I knew that, yeah. Um, I had to have, you know, I had to be able to adapt. I had to be versatile. And so therefore I, I, I worked with different teachers as if I was learning different pieces of choreography. Um, and I think it was, you know, it was like, depending on whose class I stepped into, I mean, some teachers were very protective over, um, what their information. And if you didn't do things the way they asked for it, they would get upset. And maybe that was an ego thing. Maybe that was just simply uh, you know, coming from a place of passion, but whatever it was, I, I, I think it also trained my brain to, to be smart in, in remembering and picking things up and, and kind of picking up where I left off in whomever's respective class. Um, mm. but I think my training, I feel like it's, you know, probably in the in more recent years, I've gone back to more of my Russian train, my Russian roots, and it's always been my first love, like the the Russian ballet. It's it's my favorite. Um, you know, so I think I have a lot of different styles in me. Again, it, it, at JKO, we yeah. studied Italian and French styles, even Chiquetti. Um, mm -hmm. But then, you know, on the outside, maybe I was doing classes with. Irene and Max and so yeah. then I was getting more of that Russian training. So it was, you know, it's kind of all over the place, but I want to see myself as more of a Russian trained dancer. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely, I would definitely say that's what I see you as. That's why I was really interested to ask you because when I've watched your, even your very young videos that you've shared, 
um, of you in the studio when you were super, super young. Um, you look super Vaganova, like super Russian, like, you know, very placed, you know, beautiful. Um, and so I was interested to hear. And obviously there's a technique that you feel most at home with as well, because I think even for me, I, I started sort of, you know, with a Russian coach, but I was at the Royal Ballet School. And so I was sort of, you know, dipping in and out of different styles. And it was only when I sort of committed to the Russian thing that I realized, oh, actually, this was what I'm most passionate about, or what suits my body as well. Um, oh. But yeah, it's super interesting. Um, I want to touch on your family because um, you've even uh, shared your family a lot on Instagram. Yeah. And I just want to say, first of all, they look amazing. They look like so much fun and so supportive and you it just looks like you have such a great time all the time um but i obviously you know behind that they they've obviously been uh, extremely supportive of what you do and um you know did they share a passion for ballet like you know when you first started dancing you know did they really encourage that yeah so you know i really appreciate you saying that because i'm so lucky with my, I got, so I just hit the lottery basically in, in yeah. so many aspects of my life. Um, my family being, you know, one of them. Um, and it's interesting because I've shared so much about them and I love them so much and I share about them. Um, now it's like after my, or even during my performances, you know, people will be like, I think like I saw your parents and, you know, I was going to go say hi, but I felt like that was weird because I just know them from Instagram and, you know, so people <laughs> actually like know who they are and will sometimes go up to them at one of my shows and just be like, hey, Barbara and Gary, like I know you guys through Instagram, which I think they get a kick out of too. Um, but they, I mean, my mom, she was trained in classical piano and she did some ballet growing up, but never pursued it professionally. Um, she actually was a very famous fitness trainer in her time. Uh, she sort of did jazzercise before jazzercise was like coined a thing. Yeah. Um, but she was like a fitness mogul. She had classes, you know, like open classes uh, in New York City and her classes would sell out so quickly that people would even um, purchase like entry to her class and take it from outside of the studio through the hallway. As long as they could see in the little window with the door open, they were there taking her class. And wow. so it, it's very cool because I think that's sort of where I get some of my more like entrepreneurial spirit and sort of, um, hmm. because my mom was like that. She just, if she had an idea, she could sell it to you really well. And she was very, she's still, she's very enthusiastic, very energetic and um she just has a great energy about her so she was an, an amazing fitness trainer she was on the regis show a few times she was there was back in the day on good morning america she was joan london's personal trainer did a whole vhs tape workout which i think you can still search on wow. YouTube, you know with the high cut leotards and the amazing and just you know ridiculous and amazing all at the same time um my dad i mean he's he, I think he, he has an appreciation for things, but was never into the ballet until I got more into ballet. And then now he's very knowledgeable, has all of his own opinions. Um, you know, it's, it's really cute to see how his, his uh, knowledge yeah. of, of this world has grown and he loves it now. Um, and then my sisters actually, so they're quite a bit older than I am. Um, and I remember my mom tells the story. So at the time my sisters were going to dance 
we wrote another local dance studio. They were taking everything, ballet, jazz, hip hop, whatever. And I guess we were there so often that one time I asked my mom if we lived there, if we lived at the dance studio. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> you know, gives a sense as to how much time we spent basically commuting back and forth with classes. Um, my middle sister, Taylor, she was actually an amazing dancer, but never wanted to pursue it professionally. Um, but she went into photography, so she's super artistic. And actually, you know, it's like, we like to shoot with each other all the time. And I, I just feel really lucky to have a photographer sister and family. Yeah. And then my oldest sister, yeah, she, um, she hated every ballet class she ever took. She would play hooky. Um, she had one teacher who like her feet were really bad. And so one teacher would say to her like, hey, ski boots, because her feet looked like they were like <laughs> at least ski boots. She'd be like, hey, ski boots, go do Asia Pays in the corner. So she didn't like that, but she um, ended up becoming a professional dancer for the Knicks basketball team. So like she achieved the top, top tier of the hip hop career, which I think is incredible. We used to go watch her perform. That's amazing. Really amazing. She's really an incredible hip hop dancer. Um, so we used to go watch her performances at Madison Square Garden at halftime. And then she ended up um, retiring after some time and she moved into acting. And so I think we all have, um, yeah, we all have some artistic like um, tendencies. Yeah, and you're all very, very talented, very creative. <laughs> and I definitely think that's, you know, in no small part, thanks to the environment in which we grew up, which was one of just support. And I think, yeah. you know, it was like with my parents, as long as we were doing something that we were passionate about and that we loved to do, they were there to 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 nurture us and to support us and and encourage us in those ways. So we were really lucky. There was no like, you must become a doctor or you must become yeah, a that's so difficult. Must which is, yeah, which is, you know, I understand why that could be a thing in, in a lot of families. Of course, parents want to set their kids up best for success. But I think in my parents' eyes, success was finding enjoyment and fulfillment out of life, no matter what that looked like. Yeah, well, I think that's an amazing message. They've obviously done a really good job. <laughs> but also just because like, I feel like that's what makes things most sustainable you know like as a long-term life like it's not about winning or something you know it's more about enjoying it because success comes after that you know as long as you enjoy it and are happy then you're you know going for it and you're passionate about it success is sort of inevitable if all the ingredients are there like the hard work and you know the passion and things totally totally i think it's you know it's it's going to give you the best chance to succeed as you say so yeah yeah but honestly they look so fun and so amazing and just like yeah you, like you've got an amazing support system there which i think is so crucial and i do feel you know bad you know for the uh, dancers out, out there because I, I do get messages from people who are struggling with their parents not supporting them um mentally would you have yeah. any advice for that you know i mean i listen i can't even I can't imagine. And, and, and the nice thing too about my family is like, because again, because we're from New York and a company like ABT is so international and, you know, dancers come to ABT, they join at what, 17, 18 years old. They left their countries, they left their families. My, my family likes to be like a surrogate family to everyone else. So yes. I, it's nice because 
my friends are pretty close to my parents and my sisters. And so, you know, and they have their phone numbers and they can, you know, I always tell my friends, like, just call my parents if you need help or, or something or you need advice or just whatever, like call my parents, they're there for you. And, and, and they do, you know, they take advantage of having like New York family. And it makes me really happy because I love my colleagues and my parents love them. And so it's wonderful. But I think, you know, of course, the difficult thing is that you don't choose your family, you can't you don't choose your parents, you have no way of, you know, that's your blood. So I think for the for the dancers who are, are um, kind of struggling with maybe a lack of support and the lack of understanding, um, you know, they, I think it helps perhaps for them to realize that, you know, they're not the only ones in that in that boat. Of course, it's really challenging, but people do make it without that support system. It's just, you might have to find that support other places, be it in yeah. your chosen family, like your friends or your teachers or something like yeah, that. Yeah, find it elsewhere, basically, yeah. Yeah, if only everyone has your parents. <laughs> exactly, I know, that's, that's literally how I feel. <laughs> um, so let's fast forward now. So in, um, in 2011, I think you joined the corps de ballet of the company. And then in August uh, 2015, you worked your way up to soloist mm -hmm. um, in the company. So initially, you know, joining corps de ballet, what was your, how did you feel being in the corps? Because obviously, deep down, you want to be more than in the corps. Um, and I think a lot of people actually struggle being in the corps de ballet, especially if they've done well in school, you know, and now they have to do the time. So yeah tell us about your experience there i think you know i think i i mean honestly i i loved being in the court ballet it was really really challenging because i was a person who never got injured so i was always on um i also was because i wasn't getting injured i was filling in for people who were injured so i was doing my own work i was doing the work of my colleagues and then i was fortunate enough to get opportunities and so then I was doing solace and principal work all at the same time. So I was, for a period of time, I was, I was drowning in, in work, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, it's like, but I also took so much pride in what I did. There was never a moment I went on stage and like, didn't try my best. Even if yeah. I was a tree in the back of, you know, in uh, upstage, right? Like I was going to be the best tree I could be. Cause I, that's the way I'm wired. I just, you know, yeah. I can't like half, half-assed anything no um but i i really i i found a lot of value and a lot of um satisfaction by being in the core because again i'm a short dancer i was always the line leader and so that felt like a very special position to be in you know i was leading the core i had to be exactly on my counts my steps my spacing because i had a whole line of women following me and I, I took that very seriously. Again, I thought that was a huge responsibility that was bestowed upon me. And so I wanted to be the best line leader that I could be. Um, you know, I think dancing so much uh, was, again, it was, it was great because I was on stage all the time, but I was, yeah, I was still struggling with like pains and, and fatigue and exhaustion and all the things, but I didn't want to complain or speak up because the minute I thought the minute I do that, I'm, they're going to start to take away, you know, my soloist and principal opportunities. They're going to say, okay, you can't handle it. Then 
just stick to your core stuff. So, yeah. you know, it was a really trying time in my life, but one that I really valued because it's like in school or in a second company, again, it's they're smaller groups and, and perhaps the repertoire is not one of a, you know, 24 swans. So it taught me how to stay in line. It taught me about peripheral vision. It taught me how, how perhaps, you know, I mean, it wasn't the case. It wasn't my case because again, I was short, so I was always in the front, but maybe if someone's off the music, you're going to have to still follow them. You, you can't be the right one yeah. all the time because it's about the unison. So, you know, it, I took away so many important lessons from that and just the, the respect of the female core. I mean, it was, it was like definitely the most challenging time in my career. And I remember when I was in the core and I was struggling to stay alive in the core, um, I remember Hiso, who's a principal at ABT and has been for many years now, she told me she was said yep that's going to be the hardest time in your career and i thought wow you know this is it's like across the board um so i have a lot of respect for those for those women who are out there every night and who are really like creating the atmosphere they're the backbone of any ballet and they're so important and um you know sometimes i do miss that it also gives you that sense of like community and camaraderie yeah, teamwork yeah community exactly it's all the things and um I found that to be really, like, really important to learn, you know. Yeah. So when you started progressing, obviously, you mentioned how you had to fill in for people a lot when um, in soloist roles as well. So obviously, you're in the core and you're really, really busy. And then you're also filling in for these soloist roles, hoping to eventually be promoted. So there's a lot of pressure on you. And often all these roles are last minute, right? Yeah, so I got the majority of my opportunities in my career because of last minute injuries and that kind of thing. Um, I and this is where I had a switch in mentality um, okay. eventually, because basically, um, you know, like the first time I ever debuted like a full length classical ballet was when um, someone got injured for Corsair and basically my director called me up and said, can you learn Corsair, like three act ballet, and you're gonna perform it opening night, which is Monday night. And this was, I think on, it was it was Thursday. It was like either Wednesday or Thursday. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, I will. And basically I like was in my apartment. I got the archival tape. I learned the whole thing. And the next day was full calls already because you know, you're, were, we were three days away from opening Corsair at the Metropolitan Opera House. So, you know, there was no really like private rehearsal. I was just all of a sudden full call with the company, a run through of the whole ballet. And I mean, I had the time of my life. Again, speaking of challenges, I was like so excited to tackle it because I knew I could do it, like at least mentally and I can pick up choreography quickly and just kind of one of these scenarios where you're faking it till you make it. And I knew well, I'm already saving the day and there's no expectations because I've never done this role before. So what did I have to lose? You know, to me, it was just it was just exciting. Um, and so, I mean, I I I jumped in. That's how I did my first my first principal role. And I I didn't even feel I remember I didn't even feel nervous because I was just so excited. Wow. Yeah, that I and, and I think I was had so much in my head, like even just choreographically and where are the quick changes taking place and which wings do we come in and out of? I mean, I was in the theater 
till until five o'clock in the evening on Monday, watching other casts do the tech rehearsal. And people were saying, you know, Sky, Sky, don't you want to go home and rest? Like you're on tonight. Like, <laughs> and I was like, no, I have to, I have to see where I'm, I'm exiting and entering. So, you know, that was, and, and honestly, my career kind of progressed like that for, for many years. And I was very grateful because I knew that the staff was calling on me because they knew that I was capable. So it was a big honor. However, I, at a certain point, my mentality switched because I no longer wanted to only be on stage at the, you know, because of the misfortunes of my friends. Like, I don't wish injury on upon anyone, especially people that I love and respect. So, and that was really the only way that I was getting out there to do these major roles. So yeah. there was a year that I went to my director and instead of saying, you know, okay, we're about to on a nine week layoff and I'm going to see in September, what should I work on just in case I yeah. went to him and I said, what will I dance next year? And so it was a different way of approaching my meeting with my director. Um, because at that point I felt like I had earned a show ahead of time, as opposed to just being thrown on stage, you know, whenever yeah. something unfortunate happened. And, um, that's when I kind of started to learn what self-advocation was. <laughs> yeah. And by that point was, um, were you a soloist at, at that moment you had the, because so, I, would, yeah. yeah, this yeah. was when, this was when I think you were asking and then he mentioned Giselle and that was leading up to, right. Yes. Your eventual lead role, which we'll talk about in a minute but i would um i want to talk about now um your privates with uh irena and max because obviously as you were learning all these soloist roles last minute did you sort of preemptively learn some of them you know with you know irena and max and you know when did that start that relationship yeah absolutely so i one of the most like valuable pieces of advice that I'd gotten in my whole career came from Larissa Savaliev, who is the founder of Youth America Grand Prix. I competed in YGP at least like on a few different years. Um, uh, you know, of course, it's like everybody goes through YGP. So but I remember um, when I started my professional journey and when I was joining ABT, I think after several, you know, a few years of being in the court of ballet, um, Larissa said to me, just advised that I start to learn roles, find out what the rep was for the following year and start to work on roles just in case. And like, you know, over half the amount of time I would end up performing those roles because of injuries or pregnancies or whatever else. So, um, it was very, very difficult to do that because to, to motivate myself to go into a studio and work on a role as if I'm going to perform it with no date in the yeah. future of actually being able to dance it is really hard because it's like I pour my heart and my soul into my work. I refine it. I would refine a variation or a role to a point that, you know, it's ready to go on stage, but without knowing whether or not that was going to happen. I think that I understood the value in going in the studio and working on something anyway, even if I didn't end up performing the role, because there are many roles that I've worked on that I've never, I never ended up dancing. Yeah. Um, 
but I knew that like I was gonna I could take whatever I whatever information I learned from working on that role and apply it to roles that I was going to be performing but also with the hopes that like maybe someday in the future I'll be cast in x y or z um but then a lot of the time I I did end up performing those roles and so then I was very happy to have worked on them over the layoff so um you know it was both and I'm like a struggle to to get myself in the studio to do to work on something that I didn't know again that I was guaranteed to to have a performance of but also like kind of fun to keep you know just to keep growing and, and learning and I did a lot of that with Irina and Max um which I just feel very fortunate to have them in my life because I I grew up watching them they were some of my idols um when I was a kid and they were ABT principals so they did all of the rep that we're still doing to this day and they can they can give me every possible scenario they could say to me okay Kevin's going to ask you to do this Irina Kolpakova is going to ask you to do that and then here's a third scenario so it's like if, if they're literally passing on to me everything that they experienced and yeah. giving me every heads up, every possible option, um, every type of interpretation. And, and so, you know, they're just a wealth of information and I'm really, I really enjoy working with them. <laughs> yeah, they're amazing. And I think there's something really special about, um, obviously I haven't experienced it myself, but I can imagine there's something really special about learning from two people at the same time and having like two people on you at the same time, like almost feel like a VIP lesson or something. Oh, totally. And I've had a lot of people say to me, like, I don't know how you do it. Like they're both yelling information at you at the same time. No, but, but it's hysterical, but amazing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> totally. And like, and honestly, that's not for everyone. Some people no. they can't take that all in. But for me, you know, again, I was a person who was like a sponge for information, even from a, a young age. So I, I like it it's twice the amount of of info in you know half the amount of time so it's great yeah <laughs> and obviously i think you've spoken about how it was quite hard sometimes to squeeze in a lesson and um your routine i think maybe now i don't know but you usually would see them on your day off right so you get two days off don't you yes. in the off season i think yes yeah and so most i'm sure most dancers are, are like chilling at home trying to recover from the week and you're just like right <laughs> <laughs> yeah into your, think, one of your hardest days <laughs> totally i think exactly i think for me it's like i discovered that one day off was enough and i i value that yeah. one day off i don't you know i think it's so important to take days off um but one day is enough for me and then i go and get pretty much the majority of my work done on my day off when i can dictate what I'm working on and how long I want to work on it and what I need to focus on and all the things. So I, I, I thrive in scenarios where I can be in charge of my own schedule, I guess, <laughs> which yeah. I found to be true over the pandemic, which really surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, two days is super generous as well. I mean, I've only ever been used to one day off my whole life basically. And so, yeah, I think, I'd probably end up doing similar. Um, and I think it's really wise. And um, I think what you're doing is super inspiring to a lot of people. Like just because you're in a company and just because you've got the job doesn't mean, because a lot of people sort of um, erode once they've, they've got the job and, you know, lose passion, lose desire and lose skill as well. And I think 
uh, it can be a little bit dangerous. So I think keeping yourself growing, even when you're exhausted and, you know, just forcing yourself to go um, is really amazing. So I think a lot of people are inspired by that. Um, I am interested to hear, because you're obviously an extremely motivated person and I think your drive is at the forefront of your decisions, you know, um, but how do you cope with when you're feeling really demotivated and do you even, do you feel demotivated sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. I do feel it. Um, and sometimes I can feel it for, for weeks on end. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's definitely, it's hard, it's hard to fight it. I think what we sometimes forget as ballet dancers is that we are not machine, like we're artists. And so, you know, it's, and we're creating art every time we step into the studio, even if it's just a ballet class, like, yes, it's training, but it's, again, it's still artistic. And so, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know, was Picasso painting every single day because he's like working on his craft or did he paint when he was inspired to do so? Similar yeah. with a writer, are they writing every day? You know, and, and, and probably a lot of artists are because you know, it's just, it's putting more hours into doing something and trying to do it well. But by the same token, it's like, if you're lacking inspiration, how can you create good art? And I think, um, I feel that often, but what I also try to remember is that even on the days where I'm feeling my worst and I'm like the worst version of myself as a dancer, by showing up, I've already practiced like mental strength, with, yeah. you know, mental fortitude. I'm I'm, I'm building on that, even if like my body's not responding and is giving is putting up a wall or my heart or my emotions, like, at least my mind has that strength to to be there when I need to be there. Um, you know, even on the days, again, when I feel like I really suck, I'm still learning something, you know, I can, I'm still making progress. And I think it's also good to keep in mind that sometimes like, you know, now that I have shows that are scheduled ahead of time, when I'm gonna have to do a full length, like, Swan Lake or, or um, Donkey or, or what have you. Um, who knows if that's going to be a day where I feel like it, you know? And, but the point is, is like I have that scheduled date. So I'm going to need to do my work on that date and do a whole performance of something. And, um, and I think by showing up to the studio, even when I'm not feeling motivated to be there, um, again, it's just practice for the future because it's like, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think, yeah, just a really important skill to have is sort of accountability to yourself, you know, showing up each day and you always feel better when you show up. You Absolutely. Know. And what I will say to your point, which I think was also ingrained in me in a really great way is like there were times, especially when I was younger, when I wanted to quit, like fully quit. Um, and my parents would always say, okay, that's fine. You can, you don't have to do this anymore, but you have to finish out the year. So it was like, you know, as parents who either paid tuition to my dance school or enrolled me in something, it taught me obviously responsibility to finish something that I started. Like if I made a commitment, you need to see it through. And then you can decide what you want to do from there. And of course, always by the end of the year, you know, I was like ready to sign up for the next year. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a great lesson to me that, you know, you you finish what you started and then you can reevaluate. And so I think that's, you know, that's also part of my, men my mentality. Yeah, because, you know, I think emotions can run havoc and we always feel more rational when we wait and don't act 
in the time of you know massive emotions and i think um yeah that's clear that's what's kept you going basically um so yeah, yeah amazing um so let's move on now to we briefly touched on it earlier um because you have meetings with kevin or you had meetings with kevin each year and then there was a particular meeting that was a bit different because you know you put your foot down a little bit and was like hello actually tell me what i'm going to be doing next year right and then tell us about that and what he said yeah so so you know so basically i would always have a meeting with with kevin at the end of every met season before we'd go on a nine-week layoff and i would say to him what should i learn for next year just in case and he'd always make a joke like learn everything <laughs> which <laughs> had some validity to it you know um and i would go away on my breaks and i'd work on everything and then sometimes i'd get to perform those things and sometimes not and then there was one year where i thought you know i'd really like to i'd really like to have something of my own that i know i'm gonna perform ahead of time that i can actually give myself proper amount of preparation time x y and z so i went for that meeting i said you know what will i dance next year and he told me um he said keep a strong eye on giselle and so i was like great fantastic went away for nine weeks um, worked for nine weeks with my coaches on Giselle, got it to be performance ready, essentially. And then I came back in the fall and um, I, whereas I would normally just wait and see what happened, I, there, I had an inkling that I should probably follow up on our yeah. conversation over the summer. And so I went, you know, I called a meeting and, and the great thing about Kevin was he, he's, his door is always open to people. So you know, it's not difficult to speak to him about things that are on your mind. So I went in and I said, hey, you know, I just want to let you know, I worked on Giselle. Um, a lot. <laughs> a lot, like is ready to go on stage. Um, and just kind of like, what's the story with performances? Like when might I perform it? At which point he was like, basically said that he didn't think it was going to be a possibility anymore, but that I should that may be Sleeping Beauty. And I kind of oh, looked at him, yeah, and I was like, you know, I was like, that's sort of unfortunate because I just spent the last nine weeks working on Giselle. So I was like, I'm basically like, I'd really like to, I'd really like to do it because I, I just put in a lot of time to do it, you know, to learn it. And so he was like, okay, you know, kind of like, let me, let me take a look again at the dates, that kind of thing. And the thing is, like, I'm I've never been a person that likes to ask for anything because it just from the stand, a mental standpoint, like that applies so much pressure on on me. Like if I go and ask for a role and somebody says, OK, you want to do that role here, do it. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, like I have to now prove myself and I have to be perfect because I was the one who asked for it, you know, so I never liked to be a, a squeaky wheel. I also kind of am a person who believes in merit-based, you know, opportunities. So I thought if I work hard and I, and I'm consistent, I X, Y, and Z, like two plus two equals four, then I'll get the opportunities that I should get. Um, yeah. I don't want to be anywhere where I'm not wanted or I'm not thought of, you know, not like, so it was a little hard for me to kind of muster the, the strength to feel a little bit you know to give some pushback and yeah. basically um you know after like 
maybe a couple more times checking in with him and being a little bit pushier, then he finally gave me this show, you know, one show on tour that actually had TBA um, on it. And I said, how about this show that says TBA? You know, all the rest of the casting was announced. It was like the last show of the week. And that's when he gave me the, the opportunity to do to dance Giselle. But it, had I not stood yeah. up for myself, it wouldn't have happened. And that's the truth. And it was like a lesson that I learned after 10 years of dancing in a company that things life life's not always fair. And I also understand, like, I mean, ABT is an incredible company. So there's like so much talent. I so so basically, if I'm not taking care of myself, who's gonna who's gonna take care of me? You know? I need yeah. to be my own self-advocate. Otherwise, somebody else who's gonna squeak a little bit louder is gonna do the role that I wanna do, you know? Yeah. And I think as much as we think, you know, we deserve this and it's it's kind of inevitable that the person in charge, like they have so much going on, we almost can't assume that they're remembering to give us an opportunity, you know? So they exactly. kind of you know. And I said I do I've always said to Kevin, I've always said to because I, I like to see things from all perspectives and put myself in other people's shoes because I think that's a valuable tool to for understanding. And I always, I've always said to him, look, I said, I, I, I wouldn't want, I don't envy you being the position you're in of having to please 90 dancers. Like, I don't know how you do it. That said, of course, I'm going to need to speak up about this because I need to take care of myself. But like, I have respect for the job that you have, you know? So there was yeah. a lot of mutual respect and understanding, which I doubt, honestly, I doubt he's heard that from a lot of people who have come into his office making you know demands or complaints or things like that you know people don't always think about the other person so even if they're a, especially if they're a person in a leadership position yeah well i think that was the perfect approach to go about that meeting so it's obviously paid off yeah and then <laughs> um <laughs> so you were set to perform giselle but then um something happened i believe was it misty copeland you had an injury and you had to Yes. I had to so, debut early. Yes. So I finally, here it was. I finally had my performance. I think it was on the Sunday of the week. And I knew it was happening. I had the date in advance. And sure enough, the Thursday night cast, which was Misty and Erman, Misty got hurt. And I was, and they asked me, can you jump in with Erman? And I just, I just started cracking up because at least I was ready. So, you know, I knew I was performing it a few days later, so it wasn't like a total scramble, but still the debut I was meant to make on a day that I was meant to make it ended up happening earlier in typical sky fashion. <laughs> it was like a last minute thing. So, and thank God, like Erman is such a dream partner and art. Like we literally had one rehearsal the day of from 12 to 12.30. And then we went for the show that evening and it was the most spontaneous performance I think to date that I've ever had because it was, I mean, we literally had not ever done the ballet or like even rehearsed any section of it. So it was pretty, it was <laughs> pretty cool. So I got two performances of it, which was obviously- Yeah, yeah you got two, yeah. And how did that feel, you know, doing such a sort of coveted role as Giselle, like that, that must have been like a real moment for you. It was a moment and it was a moment because I never aspired to do Giselle. I've always enjoyed the ballet, but I, ne I never 
I never wanted to do it because I didn't think I would actually be good in the role of Giselle. Like Adagio has never been my strong suit. Um, you know, I feel like so much of it because again, it's like you're, you've got your romantic costumes on, like so much of it is lines and aesthetic. And I would always been cast anyway in things that like you move quickly and are highly technical and kind of more dancey and less like, like contained and refined. So it was a huge challenge for me because again, I never pictured myself dancing this role and never wanted to because I'm a realistic person and I think I know what I should and I shouldn't be dancing. Like I don't think every dancer is meant to dance everything. And so that was one of the roles that I didn't think I should dance. And, um, and so being able to kind of like overcome that challenge of not seeing myself in the role, but working through it to make it my own was very rewarding because, you know, again, it was something I didn't, I didn't really think I was capable of doing very well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And so now obviously you're in your, is it third season as a principal? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was, well, actually, I guess technically maybe this second because I was promoted September 2020 yeah so how's how's it going and you know what have you learned as a principal so far if it's any different to you know soloist yeah well I learned I think my biggest learning experience was my jump from core to soloist because um I went from being yes I went from being on stage again like every day every act every performance to only like a couple times a week and I was getting out of shape and I was getting like, I had all this free time and I just didn't know what to do with myself. And, um, you know, I had to, I think, I don't know, be even more responsible for, for putting in whatever work I needed to put in. Um, but yeah, I think my, I think it's very difficult to be a principal dancer at ABT in particular, because we have so few performances and so many casts of, dancers so you know for example it's like i only i debuted swan lake this year and i had my one show that was it and you know next year it's going to be the same i'm only going to have one show of uh of swan lake and only one show of giselle at the met and it's like to have to to contend with that like that's your only shot to get out there i mean it's really hard to build on anything and to grow when you're never yeah. on stage, you know, and everybody's yeah. in the same boat. So um, I think I learned, you know, I'm learning how to find outside opportunities and to kind of like take, try to create more opportunities for myself, both to get out on stage, but maybe to, to explore other aspects and avenues of the industry. Um, but again, you know, to be able to, to prepare myself well enough that when I go out there for my one shot that I'm going to do <laughs> the best yeah. I can do and feel confident enough to go out there knowing that that's my only shot, basically. Yeah. Would you say you filled, would you say you filled the gaps in the day or, you know, when you're not dancing with private still with arena and Max? Yeah. Yeah. I try to, you know, I just, I try to see them as often as possible. And then, you know, there's other things like, I'm still teaching a bit, like, which I had started over the pandemic and, you know, just, I guess, ways to stay active. So I'm not just sitting at home. On yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. Really hard though to, and especially like, for example, we don't get our schedules until two days in advance. So mm. it's like, how can you even really plan anything when you don't know <laughs> where your breaks are? 
on your day, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's really tough. I mean, when I was with um, the when I was with Eifman Ballet, so I was with Mikhailovsky and then I went to Eifman and I was there as a soloist and I massively struggled with um, the, it was a, it's a really small company. So there's only like two studios. So we would like the corps de ballet would rehearse all day and I would have nothing in the day. And then we would rehearse from like seven till 10 p.m. And I'm like, I've lost all momentum of the day. <laughs> like you know wow, yeah so, you might as well stay home until you have to be there at seven yeah, right which was yeah. so difficult so then I'm like hey how can I fill the day because obviously you know I also felt like I'm getting out of shape so it was like going to the gym and going to like you know Pilates and like yeah it's 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 really tough um and yeah in in, in some regards I was like I should have just gone back to school for the day um, so what's next for you, Skylar? Um, well, you know, what are you working on at the moment and what are your goals currently? Um, so at this time, um, basically, well, we're on a layoff. Um, and But of course, can't take the layoff fully. No. <laughs> um, I'm working on the Nutcracker, which will go and tour to um, California in December. Um, but I'm also revisiting Giselle because that's coming back next season and I'll touch on Swan Lake, which is going to happen again next season. And, um, and then I'll probably, you know, I don't know, I'll just pick like a random ballet to continue to learn something new. Like when I was coming back after our summer layoff, um, I decided to work on Sylphide with my coaches, which is a ballet that's not coming back in any foreseeable future at, you know, at the company, but I'm like, I love these variations and it's a great ballet and I'll get, you know, gain my strength again and learn something. Yeah. So what's, what's quite nice is, cause obviously you must be getting more guesting opportunities as well. Now, like you can also probably perform the stuff that you're not performing in the company, like at your guestings eventually, yeah. you know? Yes. Yeah. I think a lot and of, I, I, yeah, go on. No, no, I was going to say, and sometimes that's actually, it's like you have to create your own opportunities yeah. by using your guessings to do that. Because, for example, it's like, you know, maybe like Romeo and Juliet's coming around next year, but I'm not cast to do it because there's already too many casts of other principals doing it. Even though it's a dream role of mine, maybe I'm going to have to just do the balcony paw on a gig somewhere. You know, if, if I want to dance it, I'm going to have to create that <laughs> that opportunity for myself if I can, you know. Yeah, I think a lot of the Royal Ballet dancers, because obviously it's the reps very particular and they don't do sort of the more Russian-y ones like Corsair or something. So I think they love to use that opportunity to perform Corsair and things like that. Um, but before we're approaching the end of the interview, but I also just remembered, um, I watched an interview once where you pr were preparing your point shoes, um, I think with um, Josephine. Yes. Um, yeah, the point shop. And... Um, your point shoes are like i was watching and i was like well number one they're slow so low maintenance but also you basically dance on like half a shoe yeah <laughs> so explain explain what you do to your shoe skylar to like people at home yeah so basically i don't have very flexible feet like so i need honestly like all the help i can get to get over my box if you will um, and it wasn't until it was actually a dancer. Her name is Gemma Bond. She um, actually danced at the Royal Ballet before she came and joined us at ABT. And she told me, well, why don't you cut out some of your shank? Because, of course, you 
know, you can, you have customization like with your shoes. And I think I had maybe three quarter shank, but I didn't think, oh, I should cut out more of it. Um, <laughs> but what I do is basically on the inside of the shoe, I take a box cutter and I saw off half of my shank so that when I go up on point, I can pretty much do this. And it's just the, uh, the box essentially that is giving me support, but the rest of it feels a little bit more like a ballet shoe. Um, and again, that's simply because I don't have flexible feet that mold shoes in a really desirable way. So I need to do something extra to help my foot look, um, look better. And so that's part of why I, I do that. And crazy enough, my shoes last me like two months. I could wear the same pair of shoes for every rehearsal, every class, every performance for like two months, having cut them out. And that's just, again, goes to show you how inflexible my feet are. <laughs> um, strong. But, I think that's just strong. <laughs> just, you know, I'm like, I can just keep wearing them. And it's funny because the, the, the point shoe won't like the, the person who gives us our shoes, it's like, I'll come around for my one bag of 10 pairs of shoes every like year and a half or so. And sometimes I'll walk in her office and she'll look at me like, like, yes. And I'm like, oh, I just came for a bag of shoes. And she's like, oh, right, right. Like, cause you know, I'm never in there. <laughs> asking oh, right, you work here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'm kind of lucky. I'm low, as you said, low maintenance in that way. I'm hardly ever sewing. And it's funny. It's like the ongoing joke at the company. Anytime I'm sewing a pair of shoes, my friends will come over and be like, wow, Sky, a new pair. Like, <laughs> and I'm like yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. No, that's so great. So you never get injured and you only use one pair a year, basically. <laughs> yeah, I will say that I, I'm not like, you know, I'm not one of these double jointed people. My legs don't go like behind my ears. My feet are not that flexible. They look nice. I'm <laughs> Thank you. Also partially because I wear arch enhancers. Um, so I like, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I think a lot um, of people do. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think more, more people than more people wear them than people realize um yeah. because i don't think people are always that open about it which i understand i don't really care telling people because it's like what's the difference um <laughs> but um but yeah i uh i think my kind of like tight body is it's great because i don't get injured really very often because i'm not like some loosey-goosey person <laughs> so i've come to appreciate my limitations for you know the purposes no i think i think there's you know real uh you know positive effects of being slightly smaller because you know being tall oh my gosh it is like a full-time job staying injury free <laughs> yeah well there's so much more of you that's like farther away from you and i mean yeah I <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's difficult it's difficult um but one final thing yeah. um thanks so much for speaking with me i just wanted to s say if you had um to give advice um to young dancers you know around the world listening pushing to achieve their dream mm -hmm. you know um what would that advice be from you i think um i i would you know of course tell tell um students in training that you know you want to you want to keep doing it while it's still fun. Like, I think this profession's too hard to, to do and doesn't pay enough money. And it's not, it, there's not, you're not getting a lot out of it unless you're really enjoying what you're doing. So I always try to tell people that they should remind themselves why they started in the first place. You know, it should still, should still be fun. 
Um, but also, you know, it's so important to stay open um, to feedback and criticism. And it's not to say that, you know, every student should always agree with necessarily the feedback they're being given because we're all smart and have our own brains and our own thoughts and like what we have, you know, opinions can differ. But I think staying open um, is really important because it also it's it's just a good way to approach life in general. Um, it's really easy, obviously, to get defensive or to feel like, you know, correction is an attack. Um, but especially because dance is so personal. I mean, it's about you and your body and your everything. It's it's yeah. so personal. Um, but I think you know, remembering that any piece of feedback that comes your way is just designed to make you better get better is really important it's just all your mindset and your perspective so i would encourage dancers to you know again have that humility to understand that we're always going to be students i'm forever going to be a student of the art form and you know and that's that's the that's the way to approach it that's how you get better yeah that's amazing and i think um what you said earlier about when you were just having your private lessons and how you sort of cherished that time and didn't waste it. I think that's another thing is just never to waste time. And I just remember teachers even saying, you know, to me who are obviously much older and they know they're just like, you know, don't waste a day, don't waste the time, you know, cherish it, work hard every day, give it your best every day. And I think, yeah, as long as you're enjoying it and, you know, happy, and wanting to do the work, I think desire is a huge part of it as well. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, then you're, you know, on a road to doing something you love for a long time. Um, but Scarlett, <laughs> it's been amazing to speak with you. Thank you, likewise, <laughs> thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed this hour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, so have I, I've loved it. And I, I usually, you know, just make it an hour, but you know, I could go on for another three. <laughs> I know. Me too, honestly. <laughs> well, we'll need like a second or third episode or something. <laughs> if yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much and yeah. great to talk to you. Likewise, pleasure's all mine and have a great rest of your weekend. <laughs> well, guys, how amazing was that to speak with Skylar Brandt? I mean, such an honor and she's such a kind, humble person and a real artist who just is so in love with her work and who just strives to be better every single day and I think we can all learn something from her. Leave your comments down below, like and subscribe and thank you so much for watching the interview today. Bye for now.